0: is um let's uh let's pray in preparation for uh the word uh preaching the word and uh i i want to take a moment to correct jeremy he said uh that i was going to get up and preach my word and name my word hopefully if it is my word i'd just as soon lose my voice before i get going um and and you know it, I, I, just you know, praying that that this is not me, but that it's God speaking to y'all. Um, and and so let's uh, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I I ask that you be with us this morning. Um, be with me. Help me to stay out of your way, um, Lord God. I pray that that even if uh you know if I'm if I'm heading in the wrong direction or if I'm speaking from my own heart rather than yours, that you would uh, just take the words out of my mouth and and um, Lord God, I pray that the folks here would hear from you that that their hearts would be fertile soil where um, where your word would would find uh, places to grow and and Father God, I pray that it would come back to us just over and over again in in a great harvest um, pray that that uh, that you be with us help us to be your people this morning and and I pray that all the all the singing all the Sunday schooling all the fellowshipping would all contribute to, to whatever it is that you want us to hear from you this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So uh, I, have a, I have a handful of different roles I play in this community. Uh, I, I work as a lunch lady part-time, uh, as a fill-in lunch lady, not as a permanent lunch lady. I, I substitute for that. I, I substitute, teach occasionally. I, uh, I, uh, one of my roles, though, is I write for the local paper, And uh, that's kind of put me in some interesting and unusual circumstances and situations. And and this week, I I got a call on Thursday, and my wife said, "Uh, honey, there's, you know, Captain America's in front of the grocery store. Uh, You need to hurry up and get over here and talk to this guy. And I I wasn't sure whether this was newspaper Eric or Pastor Eric uh, coming at the moment, and and I, I hop in the car and get over there. And, and the very first thing that happens when I get out of the car is Ann. <laughs> Eric, come here and explain to this guy. I yelled things at him thinking it was you. <laughs> explain to him that I was making fun of you and not him. That's what she said, right, Ann? Like, I'm not. Because uh, she saw this, this gentleman walking along dressed as Captain America and carrying a shield, and she rolled her window down and heckled him. And God taught her a lesson. Um, so I get to talking to this fella and uh, it was an interesting conversation um, but I I recorded it and I sat down and I typed it up for the article that I'm writing uh, this morning and as I was sort of paying a different type of attention to what he was saying um, I was was kind of blown away by the kernel of, uh, of, uh, of an idea that's in the middle of the whole conversation I had with him um, now follow me here. This is a guy who in 2009 looked around him and said, um, you know, that, that he, he talked to me when I was asking why he was doing what he was doing. said, so, well, you know, I looked around me and I saw that, that veterans, like guys who get out of the military, you know, I was raised to be told these guys were heroes and, and that they had, you know, they had made sacrifices and we were supposed to hold them in high regard and high esteem, you know, but at the same time we have football players and celebrities and all these guys who are treated as though they're heroes, as though they're somebody, you know, who's done something important. In the meantime, you've got, you know, these veterans who live under bridges, you know, or get arrested for looking for food in dumpsters. And he said, that's, that's not right. So I decided I would do something about it. And so he heard about a, about a VFW that needed help and he organized a walk and, and, over time, you know he would organize these walks and these fundraisers. He said, "Well, I couldn't figure out how to get people to pay attention to me and so then I realized if I dressed up in costume, people would stop to ask me what the heck I was doing and and so he or they would just drive by and make fun of him, you know like whatever it's, It depends on what kind of person you are <laughs> um, <laughs> So he, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sort of relishing this moment. I'm, <laughs> but you weren't that sorry for making fun of me, were you? So <laughs> we're on the same ground. He, uh, you're, you felt sorry for making fun of him. So what this guy does for the last 12 years, he has walked and done fundraisers for veterans. And, like, um, he was at our grocery store for a couple of hours helping people carry their groceries out. And when people would ask him, what are you doing? Well, I'm, you know, raising awareness for – I think right now he's raising money for uh, an Air Force vet out in Washington who is um, living in a really crummy house and trying to get him moved into a better place, you know. And and actually, he is so single-minded in this. Like, he's done this for 12 years um, he did he's walked every state capital twice, I think as two separate fundraisers. And he's he did a five thousand mile walk at one point like that, you know, as a specific fundraiser for and he, he he's raised money for VFWs and for all these other groups. And and like he basically I think he got to our town because he was sleeping on the side of the highway uh, on a tarp and Dennis picked him up. And uh, one of the local churches put him up in a hotel, and all this. But, but the thing that that blew me away about this, and that just jumped out at me, is this guy talking to him. He was so single-minded about his objective that he was willing to he was willing to be homeless, right? He was he, he's supposed to be walking to Virginia, and he's having some physical problems, and he's hitting the point where walking for fundraising is maybe in the last days of it. And, like, as I listened to his interview, I didn't catch it the first time. He's lined up a job in Haver that he's going to work to finish raising money for the guy that he's raising money for because he said he'd do it. Like, that is single-minded, right? I mean, that is a guy, like, I. when I walked in to talk to him, he was at the counter at the grocery store trying to buy – a can of coffee, and, and, and Deb, who's awesome, was like, well, you can just have it. You know, We, we want to support what you're doing. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll pay for my coffee. I, I don't take things. And I talked to him. He said, I don't take things because I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be sidetracked. I don't want to get focused on something that isn't what I'm doing. All I care about is, is raising money to help veterans. And, and that kind of single-minded, no distraction, no diversion, get it done no matter what. That is something, right? I mean, that is that is superhero quality. And, and we we talked about it, and he told me about, you know, well, I you know I've been arrested X number of times because I you know you'll walk along and people will pull over to talk to you or slow down to look at you, and I've been arrested for per, you know public parade without a permit and you know, all of this stuff. And I've had, you know, people make fun of me. And I had a, he said, I had a police officer film me while I jumped up and down on one foot holding my shield because he thought it was funny. And, and he's like, and I, I don't hate any of those guys. Like I, I pray for him and I think about him, And I, I would, you know, if I had the opportunity, I'd do right by him, because I can't get distracted by hating the people around me. It just takes away from what I'm doing. All I care about is this. I'm starting here because we're going to be in, Acts This will be our last Acts sermon for a little bit because we 're going to go on to Easter for about a month um, because Easter's coming up um, and and but like this last little section of acts we 're going to be looking at um, we 're going to be looking at the end of this this ministry that 's being done amongst the Samaritans, the end of the talk about it right because it continues, but the the book of Acts is going to shift away from it um, and so Specifically, we're going to talk about this idea that's popular in our culture. It's what's in it for me, right? That's behind every advertising campaign. What's in it for me? You know, behind every – actually, a lot of preachers. This is like the hook that that a lot of preachers work into their, you know, sermons. Like, well, why are you listening to me? I'm going to tell you how to have your best life now. I'm going to tell you how to, you know, be financially successful. I'm going to tell you how to be happy no matter what. I'm going to tell you – you know, how to improve your marriage and your personal relations with your wife and all these other things. Like, I, like there's this what's in it for me, and it's, it's like, seeped into the church. And in a lot of places, in a lot of quarters, we've lost sight of our one thing, right? Um, and And my argument here, looking at this particular account, we're going to look at the story of Simon the Magician, right? And... And I'm going to talk like our big focus today is staying staying locked in and staying focused on the primary thing because it's easy to get sidetracked and it's easy to assume that something else is important or to add something and then start wandering in that direction. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, I'm going to just start out by reviewing a little bit of last week um, because uh, it's context, right? Like I don't want to pull the passage out of context, Uh, this is um, Acts 8, and there's like a uh, persecution that set in, and Paul has chased the Hellenist church, like the Hellenist portion of the church, out of Jerusalem, and they've spread to the countryside, and so in this case, they would have spread north into Samaria, which is, you know, where the Samaritans lived, Um, and the Samaritans are kind of, kind of, sort of the descendants of the northern tribes. Right, but they've like intermarried with the Canaanites and with whoever the um, the Assyrians settled there when they exported all the people who were valuable and and all this other stuff. I mean, like they're a hodgepodge group by this point. They've got a mix of like Judaism and paganism and some other stuff, and they're just a they're a nutty crowd by this point. Um, so the the Hellenist church goes north, and those who had scattered preach the word wherever they went. Philip went to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many were paralyzed or lame were healed. Who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Um, So Philip is there. He's preaching the gospel. And people are paying attention because he's not just preaching, right? He's also performing miracles which is like a very common thing in the uh, book of Acts. You'll see these miraculous signs and the preaching of the gospel. Um, It is a really important thing to understand before we move on. Miraculous signs exist exclusively to give credence to the gospel. This was not a thing that was ever intended to go on forever, right? Are there miracles that happen today? Absolutely. Am I going to heal any of you people? Look, if I'm as broken as I am now, I ain't healing any of y'all because I can't heal me. Got it? Like y'all are out of luck. Does that mean I lack faith? No. It means that the purpose of miracles has passed, right? The gospel is not being preached to people who've never heard it. It is not one message amongst many. It is a like very different time we live in. Miracles only took place as like credentials for the gospel. Um, And so like that's important to understand what the purpose of them was because there are folks who lose track of this. Right. There are um, there. There are whole ministries where people all they talk about is miraculous signs and all they talk about is spiritual gifts and all they talk about is prophecy and, you know, healings. And, you know, whether or not, you know, that's a whole other conversation. I, you know, I. I I'm not getting into right now like but but does God heal today? Yes um, Is it something that should be happening in every service? I don't think so Like I, I'm really not in that spot. Does that mean it doesn't? No, does it mean it? I, it just means that it's not like that time. We're in a different era um, So these miracles are happening people are paying attention now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city And amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. So Simon the magician is this guy who has a huge following. He is very popular. He's very influential. He performs miracles and magic and all this other stuff. Um, I, I'm not going to delve into my opinions as to why this is what it is, okay? Maybe they were tricks. Maybe he performed actual, like, magic. I don't know, right? I, I, uh, I don't know. Um, the important thing is Simon is a man who has great acclaim, and he makes his living – You know, by doing wondrous signs, by doing things that get people real riled up and impressed. And so when Philip comes to town, what's he going to look and say? Either competition or, hey, wow, this guy's got something going on, right? He's actually healing lame people. That's a big deal. I I want a piece of this, which – because when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ – They were baptized, both men and women, Simon himself, or but, excuse me. So he's got all these people impressed, and then but, when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Now watch this. A lot of people who were gravitating to Simon saw what he was doing, and they're like, this is awesome. But then they saw Philip, and they're like, this guy is actually preaching something related to what I believe, right? And he seems to have it together, and his miracles are really impressive. And so they started following Philip, including Simon, who's like, wow, this guy's awesome. And he starts following Philip everywhere he goes because Philip's killing it, right? Um Luke does not say that Simon didn't believe, right? Simon believed certain things about, like, that were preached to him, right? Like, he was not a non-believer completely. But we're going to hit an odd part here. Now watch this. There's a great line in Paul's writings where he says, uh, so you believe. Great. Anybody finish this for me? Even the demons believe and shudder, right? Like, he believed, but there's a difference between simple belief and faith in Christ, right? Um, the message that they're preaching is, you know, hey, the kingdom of God is here. Um, Jesus Christ, like, like you're saved through the name of Jesus, he's the only path to salvation. Um, for the Samaritans, they believed that there was a prophet coming, Right? Um, and actually, when the Samaritan woman talks to Jesus, she references this belief. Like, they believe that there was a great prophet coming at the end of times, so that he was going to set everything right. And, like, basically, Philip shows up and says, Hey, Jesus was that guy. And he is here, and it is time for you guys to be a part of this. It is happening. And people start believing, and Simon himself believes, but he believes funny. Because Simon believes in power. Right? Actually, that's why there are certain segments of the church that are very successful today in America, because we believe in certain things, right? We believe in comfort. We believe in getting what we want. Stop me if I'm wrong. We believe in feeling good about ourselves, right? Like, it is a really hard thing to preach the gospel in a lot of quarters today, because to tell people, look... The only thing you bring to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. You, you know, you are dead in sin. Your best efforts are like piles of poo compared to, you know, like what really needs to happen. Like you got nothing. You are, and that's true of me, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying just y'all. We are dead in our sins. If you give me an opportunity, I will find a way to sin in any situation. And I'll invent new ways that impress people. It's awesome. Like awesomely horrible. But we're all that way. Our hearts are idle factories. We are wicked through and through. But our culture, we don't like that. It's the truth. We don't. And so there's always someone out there like, who will tell you, Oh, believe in Jesus and you can feel good about yourself. Believe in Jesus and you'll have financial security. Believe in Jesus and... Um, I'll tell you how wonderful you are. Uh, I listened to a sermon a few years ago. um, I think Jeremy's listened to this one where uh, this preacher was talking about the passage where like there's a prophet talking and saying like, hey, the prophets long ago um, wished they could see this moment. And what they were referring to, what the text is referring to is the coming of Christ, God in the flesh right here, God's kingdom coming. And this preacher stood up and said, Oh, the prophets of old wish they could see this. That text is talking about you. And like all the prophets wish they could see how awesome you are. Like that's nonsense, right? Like that's like like wicked. But this is in a church of like 20,000 people. I mean, but our culture says I'm awesome. Look at me, Right? Our culture says you deserve a break. Our culture says your individual expression is the most wonderful and special thing in the entire world. Um, But in reality, we're all lost, guys. This is what Simon is doing. Simon is looking at the church and saying, what's in it for me? Right? How do I feel better? How do I make a buck? How do I advance myself? How do I look awesome in front of the neighbors? Simon is looking at Philip and saying, I want what that guy has, right? I want what that guy has. I think one of the things, um, when I was a young man, uh, and I first decided I'm going to be a pastor, like there were two sort of trains of thought in my mind. Half of it was, I can't imagine doing anything but serving God for the rest of my life. That's all I wanted to do. But there was another half of me that was like, everybody looks up to Pastor Mike, and I want to be that guy, right? And it took a long time for God to strip that out of my heart and out of my soul, and it was not a very fun, like, aspect of of being a believer, but, like, I'm happy it happened. But that is Simon. Simon's like, oh, wow, like, this Jesus thing sounds good, and I can make money. Um, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God— they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Um, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a weird theological moment right here. Okay? And I'm going to talk about it for just a second, but not very long. Um, if you read the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit shows up at different times, right? Sometimes people are baptized and they lay on hands and the Holy Spirit shows up. Sometimes people are receive the Holy Spirit and there's like speaking in tongues and other stuff and then they're baptized. Sometimes dot, 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 and there's like every variation in the entire world, okay? Sometimes people are baptized and they're immediately baptized in the Spirit and like they're miraculous signs. There is no consistency To the whole thing. That is the one rule about the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit does whatever he wants. (laughs) Because... He's God, and God can do whatever he wants. That's kind of like part of the deal, right? And so in this instance, we see where they lay hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of conversation about like, oh, well, wait a minute. Why did this happen? How did it go this way? Maybe it's because they're Samaritans. Maybe it's because it had to be the disciples. There was a whole line of argument related to apostolic authority that ran around for a long time and actually had a revival in the, like, 80s and was like a big heresy floating around, and it was crazy, and... I, it's none of that, okay? Like, (laughs) what is happening right here is he lays hands on them because it's Samaria. Like, this is a step, right? Like, the gospel went from Jerusalem to Judea, and now it's in Samaria. And the Samaritans, for the Jews, like, Samaritans... I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating. Samaritans were not considered a class of neighbors by any Jewish person. So, like, you might consider, like, well, who is your neighbor? Well, you know, it was a big rabbi debate, like, that Jesus addresses, and he says, everyone's your neighbor. Um, For Jews, Jews didn't believe that, Rome. you know, some Jews believed Romans could be a neighbor, but others didn't. Some believed that foreigners could be a neighbor, and others didn't. The one thing every rabbi before Jesus agreed on was, Samaritans are never your neighbor. They are awful, right? We're like Canadians. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was totally a joke. I love Canadians. I just hope Marlene's watching. That's why I said that. Um, <laughs> um, so that the gospel is moved from one stage to the next, is a major, major event in the history of salvation. And so why does the laying on of hands, like, come after baptism? Because the apostles showed up to commemorate it, right? Like, this is a, you know, great, glorious, divine moment when, you know, it's like the D-Day, you know, or the second, was there a second D-Day? I don't know. It is this moment where, like, there's this second event in the history of salvation where the gospel is... Shifted to this, this is something prophets talked about, that the Jewish people were supposed to spread the message about who God is to, to the nations. and this is the nations, right? And so this is a big deal. There's actually a third event like this, like so some people call this the Samaritan Pentecost, and then there's actually a Gentile Pentecost that happens later. Um, it's not called that by anyone but people with too much free time and theologians, um, which are people with too much free time. Um, but, but this is kind of the Samaritan Pentecost where the Holy Spirit's on them and they're speaking in tongues and they're performing miracles. And it's amazing. We have no idea what Simon is doing at this time. We have no idea if he's performing miracles. We don't, we have no idea if he's been baptized in the spirit. We don't know anything. We do not know. Um, because Simon is in the background of this portion of the story for a second. Now he's back. When Simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that anyone or everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He's not asking for the Holy Spirit. He's asking to hand him out. Right. I want command of this particular magic power. I want I want to command it. I want to tell God what to do. Um culturally this makes an enormous amount of sense because we know magicians would buy secrets and trinkets and powers from other magicians. In fact actually Axe even touches on this idea where like later on I think it's in 19 but I'm not positive um 1919 I think is the reference um There are uh, scrolls that are burned in this town, and the scrolls are worth a great deal of money because magicians would use these scrolls to make money. They'd sell them to other magicians who would then perform, like, their magic using these scrolls. And so this wasn't an unusual thing. He's going to them and saying, hey, give me this power. I'll pay you. This is what we all do in my profession. Because he's not concerned about who Jesus is. He's not concerned about the Holy Spirit. He's not concerned about any of that. He's concerned about Simon. What's in it for me? How can I live my best life now? How can I have a better time? How can I be the middle of all of this? He's not concerned about Jesus. But the text makes it sound like Simon was on the right track. But what happened was Simon got distracted. Simon went from, I'm going to be a part of this, this is how I'm going to live my life, to, how do I get something out of this? That's a hard idea, especially nowadays, because everything in the world is trying to distract us from what we're supposed to be doing. Everything. You know... There are preachers out there saying crazy stuff. And I'm not saying I don't ever say crazy stuff because, like, you know, talk to me for five minutes. and The culture is telling us you should have this. You should stay quiet. You should tolerate these things. You should incorporate this stuff. In fact, actually, one of the biggest, like, heretical movements of our time that started in the 1800s, started or like late 1800s, early 1900s, started as a result of well-meaning people saying, how do we shift Christianity so all of these people who don't believe in supernatural stuff will still believe in Christianity? And there's an awful lot of that that's happened where like they've stripped like God out of the faith and it's become a charity organization or it's become like a, um, you know, a self-realization sort of seminar or whatever. There's a lot of that floating around. And it was well-meaning, except that it was well-meaning without paying attention to the one thing. The one thing is Jesus, right? Like the one thing is Jesus Christ died for my sins. I am made new. I am a brand new creation. My calling is li- in life is to draw close to him and to become Christ to the people around me. To have him infest my life and change me. And, like, as I change, everything else happens. So, like, the church doesn't exist to perform charity. It does not. Anybody who tells you the church exists to perform charity is lying to you. They may not know it, but they are. We perform charity because we are Jesus. The church does not exist for fellowship. We fellowship because we are Jesus. It's like, uh, I'm going to go back to my age old. When my daughter leaves her sandwich sitting on the couch and walks away, what does the dog do? He eats it. Why? Because he's a dog. That's what he does. That's the only thing he knows how to do. All he'll do forever. My wife did it uh, about a month ago. She left her sandwich, her peps, sitting on the coffee table. And she left the house. And when she came back, the dog had... Eating her dinner. Why? Because he's a dog. (laughs) And even dogs know Peps is amazing. Um, Sponsored by Peps. (laughs) I'm hoping for the sponsorship. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, TJ. Uh, Why do I bring this up? Because as believers, as we draw closer to Christ, all of this other stuff comes out of it. Right? Is my marriage better because I follow Jesus? Absolutely. Not because I have put Jesus' principles and applied, but because I've become like Jesus. And very slowly and stupidly, uh, much slower than it should be, I have learned to like, love my wife like Christ loves the church. Am I great at it? Absolutely not. Am I better than I was? Yes. Because of my effort? No. Because of a sermon I listened to? No. Because the Holy Spirit very slowly shifts who I am. The point is to become like Jesus. Do I help poor people sometimes? Do I do it because of me? No. I do it because I'm becoming like Christ, and that's what matters. That is what we are here for, folks. I've said it a couple times. Our number one thing, will this help us make disciples, right? Because we exist to help you be like Jesus and to help other people be like Jesus. We exist to glorify God through the spreading of the kingdom. Simon loses sight of it. He says, what can I get? How can I look awesome? How can I have this thing? And Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry. Now, that phrase there doesn't sound as horrid as it is. No part or share is an Old Testament phrase referring to a Jewish person who is disinherited from God's family and cannot be considered a Jew. They have no place in the land. They have no share in God's grace. They are. This is about the worst curse you could throw on a Jewish man. And so when Peter turns around and says you have no part or share In this ministry, he's doing what the church has since learned to call um, excommunicating. He is kicking this guy to the curb. You are not one of us. Because your heart is not right before God. Mind you, he's not one of them, not because of any number of things, but because he believed, but his heart didn't change. He believed, but he did not become ...more like Jesus. He became a man who believed Jesus died for me, right? If I believe in him and follow him, I'll get magic powers and I'll go to heaven eventually. But he didn't desire to be close to Christ. He didn't desire to be something different. He was not single-minded. He was distracted. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Wow. But Peter doesn't say, you're going to hell, dude. Right? He says, repent. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. So the gospel continues to be spread. But Simon, did he pray? No. Because he doesn't understand. He doesn't see it's me in relationship to God. He says, you pray for me because you're obviously magic. Like his perspective is busted. It's what can I have, what can you do, what can, but he's lost. What happens to Simon? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. Did he repent? Maybe. Probably not, actually, because uh, there's a fellow named Justin Martyr who in the middle of the second century, so this is about 100 years later, tells us about um, Simon going to Rome, Right? And, like, actually developing a huge following, and this huge following supported him on his way to Rome, and he gets to Rome, and he develops a huge following there. And at one point, there was actually a Simon statue referring to him as having the power of God. Um, if you flash forward to about the time Justin Martyr was alive, there was a group called the Simonites. Simonites? I've got to see if I can find the word so I don't say it. Well, I'm just going to say it wrong. Simonites. Um, and they were a Gnostic sect meaning that they were a heretical group that took some of the magical mystery religions um, and, and combined them with Christianity and created this heresy. And um, the Simonites, Simonites blah, 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 the followers of Simon claimed Simon as their founder, right? And they said, our faith came out of this. And they had this whole weird system that's sort of Christian but like 98% not. And it all centered on? Simon, because Simon cared about Simon. Um, The trick is God won't take second seat, right? God will not sit in second place. God will not say, all right, well, you can love that more than you love me, but just come on over to me when you're done right like it's just not how god is um god demands number 1 and apart from that we will get lost right apart from that we'll get lost in our theology we'll get lost in our faith we'll get lost in our beliefs we'll pursue everything in the world that looks shiny and is fun or we'll fight with each other about the color of the carpet um you know or what we should paint the walls i think Frances told me that when she first, the first Sunday she attended this church, like 80 years ago, um, they were fighting about what color to paint these walls. Worth it? No, it has nothing to do with Jesus. It's a distraction. It is everything in the world but Jesus. Guys, we need to be single-minded in our focus because the moment you start to distract, the moment you look to the side, the moment you turn from the path, you're bound to get lost. And we're blessed because sometimes God will drag us back. Or sometimes you'll have someone who will say, hey, stop being dumb. Right? I remember there's a whole period of time where I, I, you know, got into some crazy theological ideas. Not really crazy. But things that I would not preach today and wouldn't allow to be preached in front of my church or our church, not my church. Um, and I, I had somebody tip me off to, a, to a, a a podcast that I listened to for a while. And I was like, oh, my gosh, a lot of the stuff I'm into is messed up and not biblical. Oh, my gosh, I need to kind of take this more seriously. Um, it's easy to get lost. I'm not saying that we should all dress up as Captain America, right? However, at the core of it, there's a truth. Um, the, the Captain America gentleman would not accept money from people because money is a distraction, and it would make him do something other than what he means to do, right? Um, we are to be that. We're to raise our children to be more like Christ. We're to model Christ like behavior by imitating Christ in our lives. We're to turn to God for support and help. And for salvation when the world is scary and everything is broken. Instead of turning to food or TV or to our phones. We're to like worship him alone. Not our car. Not our job. Not our farm. Not the neighbor's farm. Not, you know, pretty pictures we find on the internet that we're not supposed to be looking at. None of that stuff. Like it is so easy to get distracted. Um, We're called to be single-minded. My challenge for you today is, is this, I mean, it's very simple, like, what's, uh, where are you at? Like, are you single-minded in your pursuit of Christ? Are you single-minded in, like, the life of being a follower of Jesus, right? Or is it a hobby? One of many, right? Is it a thing we do on Sunday and a necklace I wear and something I put on the radio every once in a while, or is this a way of life? The the guy I talked to said if I don't raise enough by the end of by the time I get back to Haver I'm going to get a job and earn money to support the other guy. Not to support myself, but to support the other guy. Am I pursuing Christ with the best of what I've got? Or is he getting the leftovers, the change I find in the couch? Where are you at? I'm going to close in prayer and I'll let you go. I'm, we'll let you do communion. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was single-mindedly focused on the message this morning.